0: Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Today is Palm Sunday, the day of uh, Jesus, according to the Bible, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem which uh, we had the blessing of um, entering into Jerusalem, although I don't know if it was a triumphant entry like that. Um, And uh, So it was a blessing to be over there, to be able to see all of those things, and and then get to come back here and kind of share about it, all those places and the experiences and everything really fresh in my mind. And... uh, um, we have a week towards Easter. Kind of, I think this week, and, and I don't, you know, I, I think this is the week that's kind of like the Passion Week, or, or uh, you know, the week that Jesus is heading towards the cross. That's what we want to talk about today, starting in Palm Sunday. That, uh, and I'm going to be reading here as I was looking at these uh, scriptures here with this and I'm, I'm just going to use Palm Sunday and I'll be in John chapter 12. So if you want to turn there, maybe a little background. that uh, I'm not really going to talk about the meaning of Palm Sunday, but um, if you want to hear about that and, and all the details and you can go online. And, and I know Trip did a great message last year on that. But there was something that stood out to me You know, and and maybe I'll read this um, starting off in John 12, starting in verse 12. And I'm going to be reading down to verse 19. It says, On the next day the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet Him, and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel." Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. These things His disciples did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of Him. And that they had done these things to Him. So the people who were with Him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him, about Jesus. For this reason, all the people went and met him, because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. So when I read this text and kind of read, I actually read, this is one of the stories, this Palm Sunday story, is a story that's in all four of the Gospels. And each one gives maybe a little, it's the same story, but a couple little details. You know, one is that, you know, um, it's saying that part of this group of people, see if you can picture it, and we were in Israel up on a Mount of Olives where Jesus came from, and looking across into Jerusalem, the picture that um, Trip had when when he was kind of, you know, announcing the trip, there looking over, that kind of famous picture looking across from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. Jesus kind of went down there, you know, down that similar path and kind of went up the other side and and into the wall of Jerusalem, if you can picture that. And on the way, all the people, part of the group was the disciples. So all the disciples that followed him. Part of the group was people that followed. again, as I considered it and, and how I you know what stood out to me, how I settled on on kind of going in this direction was that that all these people, and if you read in the gospels that you know that Jesus never had any shortage of people following him right we went one of the places we went was kind of a traditional area. That was the Mount of Beatitudes where, you know, traditionally they say that on this hillside was where Jesus taught the Beatitudes and a whole whatever three chapters, you know, in the beginning of the Gospels. And there was a ton of people over there, right? And we talked, last time I talked in church, I talked about the uh, um, paralytic guy. You remember that? Where they broke through the roof and they lowered him down on the pallet and Jesus healed him. But the reason they had to break through the roof was why? Because there were so many people in the house that there was no way for them to get in. You know, in another story, they talk about that lady who had an issue of blood and the Lord healed her. If you remember that story where she said, look, if I only touch His garment, I'm going to be healed. And when she did, she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And His disciples said, what are you talking about? There's a thousand people pressing in on you and then you ask, who touched me? He fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. Another time he fed 4,000, not including women and children. So everywhere he went, there was a crowd. That he didn't need you know, a business card. He didn't need a website that people automatically followed Him. And as I considered this time in Jesus' life and His walk towards the cross, because this basically is what it is. This is one step of Him moving towards Jerusalem and inevitably His death and then on to His resurrection which is going to be next Sunday, that we're going to celebrate that. So we're going to cover this morning, going through each step. One is Palm Sunday, right, as we read. And then we're going to move over, because it goes on to the Last Supper. Then from there, they go from the Last Supper, they actually go out of Jerusalem, back up to the Mount of Olives, where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And that's where Jesus prays. And in the garden is where they came, Judas, and all the priests, and a bunch of soldiers, and they came over there to arrest Jesus. And from there, they took Him to trial. And then, from there on, to where they crucified Him. And then, to where He resurrected and as I shared this morning in the first service that we did go to the uh traditional site if you go to Israel everything over there is is the traditional site that they don't know exactly where and uh interesting enough I I tried to explain to my dad my dad's 91 and uh he couldn't he was kind of like mad because he's going well did you guys walk where Jesus walked and I'm like well I'm not sure because they don't know exactly they don't have like, you know, steps painted in on the ground or you know. So I try to explain to him there's like tradition on it. He was all mad because he's like, What? Why didn't they you know, how can they do that? It's like they should have kept better records or something, you know. And uh, but we were there on the Mount of Beatitudes the the traditional site. Right? We went to the tomb, the traditional site where they say Jesus was laid. Right? And some some people I didn't go in, you know, some people went and looked inside and, and Jesus is not there. Right? Next week we're gonna celebrate that, that, that he was there, they buried him in there and, and somebody had rolled away the rock and he was resurrected. And to this day he's not there. Already so we're gonna be walking through each one of those things, and what I want to talk about is the crowds, the disciples, even the apostles, all these people that followed him throughout the gospels, throughout all of that, that and at this place where they were so you know, as we read there, that what were they saying? Hosanna, the king, is coming in the town. Right, They're excited, they're stoked, but as I considered it, because I know the end of the story, is that that's not how it ends. So hopefully we want to walk through this, and I want to talk about being a true follower. That Jesus had no lack of followers, but not everyone was a true follower. And we can apply that to us today, and I've been around church for a while and uh, I know that and I've seen many things that people that follow for a time but not all the way or they're here for a reason other than the right reasons and church is an amazing place and there's great people that I can tell you every Sunday for sure Mostly everybody, 99% of us are on our best behavior, right? Once you get out of the car, come in here and sit down and we're all nice over here. Once we get back in the car and head out, then, you know, not necessarily after that. And, uh, you know, we're all in that same boat. So people are attracted they're coming over here, but not everybody comes. Just like with Jesus, not everybody followed for the correct reasons. Um, in my time of being around church, and and you know, I had a fun time kind of like identifying. And this is my own little personal list. You know, wacko that I am, that uh, um, I wanted to identify some of the followers that I've seen over the years that come around. I'm not pointing anybody out you know, with this list. But uh, for us to consider, you know, and look where we're at, what kind of follower. There's many followers, but not all of them are true followers of Christ. In this story here, that all those people were excited. Everybody was happy. It was an amazing time. But as we see at the end, and we'll go through, we'll see that one by one, the excitement died down. Even the people, even those closest to Jesus, bailed on Him. Okay, and just for our consideration, you know, and and I guess this week, you know, that's something for us to think about too. That each day, it was that. That Jesus, when He was at the cross, was by Himself. It was something he had to do by himself. And after all of the, this whole part here that I read in John died down, that it really came down to that. Okay? Some of the followers, you know, that we see with this mixed crowd here, and, and I'm just saying in church world now, some of the ones, and, and I'm kind of put my own little label on them, some of them are loaves and fishes followers. If you remember in Scripture, it says there that some people followed Him, why? For the loaves and fishes. Some people followed Him to see the miracles, because they wanted to see another miracle. And I also put here that maybe for us, it's the coffee and donuts followers. And somebody teased me after first service if I wanted coffee. But no donuts, I don't, I don't have coffee. But there's people that come to church that follow for the perks. Right? That there's different things. Or, or they come for various reasons. Some people follow the followers. That the people are nice in church. I can see coming and having a good time in here. But we know the purpose that we're here is for Jesus. And the people are nice. And that's, that's awesome. But our ultimate purpose is for Christ. Some followers are fair-weather followers. when things are going good, then they follow. But when things start getting difficult or challenging, or not the way that we want them to turn out, then they might stop. They stop coming. An issue happens. Something happens. They don't come. And I can promise you, I've seen every one of these. And I I even had a longer list. But, you know, you guys probably wouldn't be uh, too pleased if I went through my whole list. Some of them are part-time followers. They're the guys that come on holidays. Right? The the Easter and the uh, Christmas followers. You know, which is a good start. But that's just a start. That's not the goal. Or only on Sunday followers. That they come on Sunday, but they don't get involved in anything else. There's so much more to that. There's also the stormy weather followers. So opposite of the fair weather followers, the stormy weather followers only follow in difficult times in their life. When there's trouble, then they show up for church, which is good. But when things work out, then they're not there. When they need it, Lord, I, I need prayer. I, I have a need. But as soon as that need gets taken care of, then they stop. They're not following any longer. Some of the followers, the follow the leader follow. They only follow because they like the leader or the pastor. Okay, so you might, and I made a couple of cracks this morning. Maybe you were like, oh, you know, trips teaching next week, so uh, I'm going to stay home today because boot talking. Right? Makes sense. You know, or maybe we were in, in, in Israel and Teva was talking, so you're like, oh, Stoke, Teva's talking this week, I'm going to go. Right? A little different. They follow the leaders, and we're called to follow Christ. And it's good that we got good leaders. There's the follow the church follower. That they love the church. Right? Or whatever denomination they're in. And I can promise you, in Israel, that's one thing that stood out to me, was that there's no lack, especially in Jerusalem, must be the religious center of the world. No shortage of churches. Monasteries. Praying. And then they got, like, the Arab guys over there, so whatever it is, five times a day, and those guys got it on the loudspeaker going. There is prayer, an enormous amount of prayer. Monasteries in Jerusalem. No lack of religious, you know, movement over there. How much of it is accurate? it's an interesting thing, you know, to see all the different kinds of stuff and the lord knows the truth of the matter what goes on with all the praying and all the churches and all the services and all the christian you know i mean it's like an amazing amount of christian paraphernalia you can buy everything christian over there crosses you every place that jesus could have been you know they're selling something you know probably the religious swap meet of the world you know um couple cracks about it. There's also the Christian mingle followers that can be in church. That maybe they can get a date. Right? Home groups, they're like, Whoa, cool. I wonder if it's mixed. Right? That people I'm just telling you what I notice. Right? That sometimes it's like, look, there's girl the girls go to that church. You know, it's like bonus. Or guys or something, but you know what? Not necessarily true followers of Christ. Um, someone, my, my last one on this list, someone who won't be in this group that I'm going to identify as the monk followers. That they don't need to go to church. And I know some people like that. They're believers, but they don't need, I don't need to go to church. And I don't follow any church, I don't follow any group of people, I only follow Jesus type guys. But we know from the Word that the church is Christ's body. Okay? There's all kinds of followers, all kinds of motivation, all kinds of reasons for coming or for not coming. And when the Lord looks down, He's not fooled. We might be fooled and we don't know. But the Lord looks at each one of our hearts. So in this group of people praising the Lord, and we're going to see at the end where they're all at, how they start. Right? In Mark uh, 14, I think it is. Is that what it says on there? Mark 14, 27 to 31. After the Last Supper, on the way to the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane. So there's the Last Supper. Jesus is having the Last Supper with the Apostles. And that's where He talks about communion. This is My body that's going to be broken for you. This is My blood that's going to be shed for you. I want you to keep doing this so that you remember what I did. Okay, So they have this whole thing, you know, Imagine how heavy that was for Jesus to be administering communion. And they come right out of there and Jesus starts telling them that in a little while, I'm going to die. And this is the Scripture in verse 31. Peter says to Him, Look, okay, if you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. Right? And he's literally, He's... He kept saying insistently. So He's insisting, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Why? Because Jesus said, oh yeah, you're going to die with Me? He said, you're going to deny Me. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny Me. And Peter is going, no way. No chance. I will never deny you And it says in that scripture that they were all saying the same thing only. So if you can picture that, all these guys, right after the Last Supper, right after taking communion, Jesus tells them that he's going to die. And not only that, after they go, yeah, we're going to die with you, he tells Peter, yeah, really? You're going to deny me. You're not only not going to die with me. You're going to deny me. And Peter's going, no way, Lord. You don't know what you're talking about. And they all join in too and go, no, we're all going to die with you. Alright? And I wrote here about these guys, that these are the promise keeper followers. That they're making promises. Lord, we promise. We are going to be with you to the end. And if you know the story, that it was just as Jesus said that it was, that Peter did deny Him. And it was that those guys, and and I'll read the Scripture in, in a little while, that they did run away. They didn't stay by Him. So they made all these promises, but those promises as followers were based upon them. They had the best intention. And I know that they wanted to. They wanted to hang in there. But when the chips were down, when things got heavy, they didn't have the power to stay there. And they went out. Their strength, their power, and their focus was based on them. Peter figured, look, I can just, you know, power my way through this. But he didn't have the power to do it. Right after this, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you know what happens over there, is that they, remember Jesus tells them to stay awake, come and pray with me, and they fall asleep. So right after saying that, Lord, we're going to die with you. They couldn't even stay awake for the prayer time. They didn't even have the strength to do that. And, you know, you see where this is going. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 51 to 52, it's in the garden at the arrest of Jesus. So Jesus has prayed. The disciples fell asleep. Jesus prayed. Right? Lord, your will, not mine, be done. Judas, who was one of the twelve, where is he? He already bailed and went and and made a deal to, to sell Jesus out where he was for 30 pieces of silver. So here was one of the followers that was with Jesus for three and a half years, betrayed him even. One of his followers went and turned him in for money and brought all those guys. I know where he's going to be tonight. I'll take you to him. Right? Here's one of his followers there. And it says here that, Behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew his sword and struck the slave on the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who shall live by the sword will die by the sword. Now if you read it over there, who was this? Peter. Peter had a sword, and when they came to arrest Jesus, he figured, true to form, Peter's form was that, Look, I'm going to defend Jesus. I just said I would die for Him, and... I'm going to prove it now. You want to fight? Let's fight. He gets out the sword. He cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. Jesus picks it up, puts it back on, gets healed, and then tells Peter, look, whoever lives by the sword is going to die by the sword. What kind of follower was Peter? And I wrote here, this is just, you know, and maybe this don't make any sense to you, but it makes a lot of sense to you to combat followers is that they're Christians, they're following them, and they want to fight. In, in some, one of the places, I don't know, hopefully there's, there's no uh, fans of that church, the West Bor- Westboro Baptist Church. You know who that is? Those guys in the mainland, the Baptist, who's like always like, anytime you see them on TV, they're causing trouble. They're saying crazy things, doing crazy things, all in the name of the Lord. Right? They're looking for a fight. And I was Peter. What he did. I'm a follower, Lord, and, and look. I got a sword and I know how to use it. And you know what? That's not what Christ calls us to be. Right after that, in verse 56, after they arrest Jesus, that whole thing goes down. It says, But all this had taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets, then all the disciples left him and fled. So here we are walking down from Hosanna at the gates of Jerusalem to all the promises and now the disciples at the arrest of Jesus all fled. They all ran away. Jesus is by himself. It says that they led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the elders and the scribes were gathered together. Peter followed him at a distance into the courtyard. Okay, so here's more of Peter. The promise, right? I'll die with you. I can use my sword. Okay? Now Jesus gets arrested... And Peter follows at a distance. And that follower, I'm saying, is the follow from a distance follower. That they are followers that don't get all the way in there. They're not, they're not committed all the way. They follow and, and, you know, they come to church, but it's always at a distance. That they never get fully in there. With the Lord. They're not a hundred. They're not boat feet in. Maybe they want to keep the door a little bit open. Right? In case a better option comes up. That they're not a hundred percent committed. They're not all in. With the Lord. In Mark chapter 15. Verses 8 through 15. This is Jesus before Pilate the governor. Mark chapter 15. Verses 8 to 15. I'm going to read that right now. This would be for Pilate. It says, The crowd went up, the crowd, and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you, the king of the Jews, for he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them. Now if you don't know who Barabbas is, Barabbas was a political prisoner. He had been involved with a bunch of guys in like a little uh, insurrection, and somebody had gotten killed, and that's why he was in prison verse 11 but the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask him to release barabbas for them instead answering again pilate said to them then what shall i do with him whom you call the king of the jews they shouted back crucify him but pilate said to them why what evil has he done but they shouted all the more crucify him verse 15 Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and and after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Right? So in the beginning, when we read in John 12, the crowd is shouting what? Hosanna! The kings in town. And then now, in this section here, the crowd is shouting, crucify him. Pilate didn't want to kill him because he was afraid. So he gives them an option. Look, you pick one or the other. You can have... I'm going to release one of these two guys. Which one do you want? Jesus or Barabbas? And they released Barabbas, which, interesting, was the political prisoner. And here was their guy... Jesus, in the beginning, the king is coming to town, but they're thinking that, look, this is the guy that's going to deliver us. This is going to be our leader. He's going to get us out of this Roman rule. And we're going to get back our, and all of this. But now at the end, he's going to die. So whatever aspirations they had for this man, Jesus... Just turned around, as you know. And that's was the thing stood out to me. That this crowd was all for it in the beginning, but now flipped around. They were persuaded by some people. And Pilate, to appease the crowd, gives them what they want. And I hope that we know that. That that's one of the dangers in following the crowd is that, you know, and if you follow any politics at all, which is interesting that they they kind of chose the political solution more than the spiritual solution. And if we follow something that I see in this, that you know what following men is really shaky. Following men. Following God and Christ is secure. And that was it. It didn't seem like, but you know what? That whole thing, as we know, was God's plan. Jesus' death on the cross. It wasn't like some mistake, okay, this ain't working out. God's plan. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son in our place so that we could live. That's what the whole thing is about. Where does that put us? What kind of followers? And you know what? When I did did this, doing this, and I have to look at myself and go, well, okay, look. I'm going to ask everybody there, what kind of follower am I? Am I a true follower? Maybe not always. You know, I got to look at my things and go, well, maybe I don't always follow for the right reasons. Maybe I follow because... I'm one of those, I've always done this. You know, I've been a Christian for whatever, like 40 plus years. And I follow because I've always followed. But that might not be the reason. It's, it's cool. But you know what, I need to follow because I really believe it. Not because I've always, that's the way it's done. So we need to be current followers all the time. Many followed, but few were true true followers. What constitutes a true follower? One is that they followed Jesus and his word. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. A true follower follows the word, no matter what. John ten Verses 3 to 5, this is where Jesus is saying He's the good shepherd. And one thing He says that He's the shepherd and He calls His sheep and you hear His voice and what do they do? They follow. And He says that they're not going to follow the voice of a stranger. Why? Because they don't recognize a stranger's voice that we need as followers to recognize the voice of our shepherd. And we're not going to follow the voice of a stranger. The second thing is that they follow, a true follower follows no matter what happens. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said, If anyone comes after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. First Peter chapter two verse twenty one. It says, For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. That our calling is a true calling is to follow Christ in his steps. And it's not always good things don't always happen. Right? Everything doesn't work out perfect. And all things work out for good, the Bible says, for those that love God and those that are called according to His purpose. Things work out for good. But the Lord does test us. And if you're a true follower, you're not going to be one of those fair weather ones that when things get hard, then you're going to go, well, forget this. Too hard. I'm not going to follow any longer. That true followers... Follow one step at a time. Philippians chapter two, uh, chapter 3 verse 12 in the King James Version says, Not as though I had already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after. True followers follow one step at a time. And that's how those, I don't know how long, you guys have been a Christian. And that's what it's been for me. I just need to be concerned about the next step that I need to take with Christ. One step at a time to follow Him. Philippians chapter 3, and if we all can turn there. The book of Philippians chapter 3. One of my favorite scriptures. Verses 7 through 14, and I'm reading this in the New American Standard. Okay, same one, but this is the whole thing. Um, The whole section. Starting from verse 7, he says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Jump down to 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To another point that true true followers follow to the end. They don't give up. And I hope that that's our desire. Uh, Psalm 63 verse 8, last scripture in the King James Version. It says here, he says, My soul follows hard after you. My soul follows hard after you. And just a challenge for myself and a challenge for us. Is that are we true followers? Are we followers that follow for the right reason? Are we following Christ? You know, not a church, not people, not for any other reason except for our heart and our desire for Him. Let's pray. Lord, we do. Ask that You would search our hearts. Lord, that You would speak to us. Lord, any area any attitude that we might have in our hearts that we're not completely sold out for You. Lord, any area where where we might be following, Lord, but maybe not true followers. Lord, that we're just going through the motions. Lord, maybe we've slacked or, you know, maybe we're, you know, considering... What's a benefit to us only? Lord, I do pray that you would move in our hearts. That you would help us to be true followers of you. And our commitment would be firm and sure. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.